You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. Why don't you go ahead and, and kind of introduce yourself to anybody that's not super familiar with who you are and what you're currently doing, and we'll just go from there. Great. All right, so uh, my name's Scott Burnham, and I am originally from Syracuse, New York, played uh, high school lacrosse at Henniger High School, and then went on to play at Cornell University, um, also a member of the Iroquois Nationals team. I played in five world championships with the team alongside my, my two brothers, uh, which I think were the only three brothers that ever played in five world championships, which is kind of cool. And um, currently I'm, I'm living in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, I, I spent a couple of uh, seasons as a college lacrosse coach in Wesley, at Wesley College in Delaware. And now I'm doing most of my coaching with, with youth. Uh, I, I coached the Annapolis Hawks with my, my son um, and the Maryland United girls team. My daughter's on the 27. So I help out with them when I can. So awesome. it keeps me pretty busy. Awesome. And so what is your relationship to the Iroquois Nationals? So I'm, I'm a member of the Mohawk tribe. And as I said, I played with in five world championships. And then recently, uh, obviously getting away from the, the playing side of it, um, I've, I've coached two of the under-19s teams back in, I guess it was 94, 96, or 96 and 98, I guess it was. And now, most recently, I was the GM of the team in 2018 that went to Israel. You know, so, and, and then I'm going to try and, and, and apply for the GM position for, you know, the, the next set of, of world games, you know, in, in uh, Atlanta and then uh, beyond. So we'll see. Fantastic. Well, I mean, certainly qualified to. And, and so we'll see. Hopefully, you know, we're rooting for you with Thank that. You. So obviously you end up at Cornell. You know, you have family ties to Syracuse. How, how do you end up there instead of in the orange? So it's, it's great. It's a good story. Um, and, and my brother, Mark, who won a national championship at Syracuse in 83, loves to uh, bust my chops and my younger brother's chops about that. Because um, as I was growing up and, and we were ball boys for Syracuse when we were kids and we would travel with the team, um, we would get the, you know, go on the bus trips with them. Like Coach Simmons took great care of my younger brother and I. And it, it was really cool to be a part of that around the team. I mean, I was on the sidelines for the national championship in 83 on the sidelines dressed in what was then the old saltine warrior costume in 84 oh, wow. when they played yeah i had the full headdress on yep. um you know i was 12 13 years old on the sideline for, for syracuse and um the delaware blue hen was hilarious and harassing me like it was crazy like but that that's how deep we are with, with into syracuse so when it came time for me to start looking at schools obviously syracuse w w was a choice and I had some great conversations with Coach Moran at Cornell, who, as you know, one, one of the greatest coaches of all time. He came to watch us play in, in a playoff game at Ithaca High School, and, and, and I had a, a really good game that day. And after the game, we, we had a conversation. He's like, you know, we'd love to see you in a big red uniform. And that was when Cornell uh, made that run in 87. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was kind of exciting for me to, to, to be recruited by a team that was, was doing so well at the time. And then academically, you know, Cornell's great academics. So just kind of all those things built up and, and still being near home, but not at home was attractive to me. But um, it, as I was saying, my, my brother, Mark, he likes to bust our chops because my younger brother went to Loyola. Yeah. So 
any chance he gets. You know, I lost to Syracuse in the national championship my freshman year. My younger brother lost to Syracuse in the national championship. So he's never one to let it go by that, hey, you guys could have a, a ring if you went to the right school. <laughs> well, that was, I mean, and that when you were there, that's that, well, when you were in college, that's that run when, you know, the Gates, you know, Marachek, yes. and yes. I mean, that was arguably probably the greatest run for one specific program in, in college across history. I mean, yeah, they were dominant. I mean, they, you know, they, they were just so good. And I, I, you know, no one was touching them. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the same time too. You know, you had John Reese at Yale. There was just a lot of, and I, I used to work for his father shovel. Like, I mean, I was a lifeguard for his father. I, I actually awesome. painted John Reese's house, you know, oh, that's awesome. his mansion on Long Island. But, right. um, you know, just thinking about that, I like the, the best story I have is that is that working for his father, Walter, you know, with John, it was like, all right, you can take one thing out of my thing because we were cleaning out this thing. And I took a, a video of him playing in like the Ivy League championship in like 1990. Yeah. And man, those guys back then, I mean, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people don't know just how good that aerial lacrosse is. I mean, people, you know, there's people that are just talking about how great, you know, the Cornell team was in the late 80s, the Hopkins teams, the Syracuse. I mean, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's great now. But back then, you know, those guys, if they were playing today, they'd still be doing what they were doing back then. Absolutely. He, he was one of the best two-way middies out there. And he was just an animal. I mean, I, you, I'm sure you know this story where apparently he was like, he broke his jaw or something. Yeah. And- and and then and played in the Ivy League championship and, and like dominated with yeah. you know his jaw wired shut. Like how, how does a guy do that? That's just just one of the toughest guys you ever play against. Yeah. You know. I wouldn't let that happen today. No. You wouldn't no, be able to make I'm, that choice. I'm, they just I'm, wouldn't let I'm it happen. I'm pretty sure he probably had a concussion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to say the least. We don't use the C word. Yeah, that's that's the real C that's word. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well what was it like playing for coach moran i mean obviously you make that decision you go to cornell um what was it like playing for such you know a tradition rich or tradition rich program because syracuse had a lot of tradition but up until that point you know you're talking about cornell in the 70s with Amy mcenany and everybody like that and that kind of carried on into the 80s and you have coach moran what was it like you know suiting up for the big red and playing for you know a legend yeah it, it- for me, it was amazing because he, as you said, there was such tradition there. And, you know, as soon as you walk into the locker room or, or step on campus, you, you feel that stuff, you know, it, it's, it's palpable. And he always stressed the importance of, of you know, team and, and family and, and being a part of this rich Cornell tradition. And I'm not going to lie, like, you know, we still get together that the rusty red team plays every mm-hmm. year in, in Fort Lauderdale and, it's like, it's been, you know, 20 plus years for most of us. And it feels like we we're just together yesterday. Uh, it, it's just, and, and that all starts at the top, you know, it, with any program that, that stuff, it's always a trickle down effect. And that was one of the greatest things about, about Richie was that he just, you wanted to play hard for him because you're part of the family and, and, and part of that tradition. And you didn't want to let down you know, the guys from the 77 team or the 76 team or 78 team, you wanted to carry on that tradition and carry on their legacy. And that was just one of the greatest things that he always talked about that stuff. And he always made sure that it was, it was, it was, you know, at the front and forefront of your mind, whenever we were in the locker room, whenever we were together on the field, timeouts, you know, you're playing for each other, you know, this is what we're here for. And the cool thing about that is it, it kind of ties back into, you know, the origins of the game and, the, and what the game was originally meant to be you know, as a, as a medicine game. So I think that that's why 
and, and what I loved most about playing for, for Richie and, and being a member of the Cornell family. Fantastic. Ryan, you had a couple questions about some of uh, the teammates at Cornell back in the day. Well, I, I got to ask it. I'm a big, I, I'm a big energy bus guy. I mean, I'm coaching. <laughs> I always have my team, you know, I mean, you obviously have, you know, two, you know, and it's safe to say when you go to Cornell, most people achieve great things once they leave Cornell. Um, but two in particular, I mean, you have John Tillman, who is arguably one of the best coaches in the game right now at the collegiate level. Um, yep. Just seeing what he's done at every stop that he's had. Um, and then also, you know, one of the best motivational speakers, power of positivity guys in John Gordon. What were those guys like? And I mean, it, back then when you, you know, when you guys were, you know, at Cornell, did you ever think that, you know, either one of those guys was going to end up moving on to, you know, being the coach that they are, or, you know, <laughs> um, you know, being one of the best, you know, and, like a and motivational just, speaker, yeah, if you will, like, are, you, speakers, are you surprised at authors, all by this? Yeah. Like the outcomes here? It, it's funny. So, so I'll, I'll take John Tillman first, right? Okay. John and I roomed together. We, we lived together our senior year. And when John transferred to Cornell, he came in as a goalie mm -hmm. and we had Paul Schmoller there at the time who arguably one of the greatest goalies of all world, time. I mean, ever. people, you know, people, you know, there, there's more, I hear from more people that say he's the best ever. I mean, that one NCAA tournament game, you know, I yeah. think, what did he have like 30 saves? Something yes, like that. North Carolina. Yeah. He was an absolute yeah. stud. Just unbelievable. And, and even better guy off the field. Right. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, sad that he, he's no longer, he's with, no longer us. with us, um, you know, you know, Cheers, no tears was, was, was his big saying, and, and we, mm -hmm. we miss him, and, and we still play for him. It's one of those things that we do as a team. But um, Tillman kind of came in, and, and he wasn't going to beat out Schmoller. Like, that was just the, the – but he came knowing what, what the situation was. Well, Richie said, you know, this guy's an athlete. He, he's, he's a student of the game. So then they put John at long stick and gave him a long pole. And then we'd be in practice, and he'd be like, John, I need you to go down and uh, you play Gary Gate on the man up. He's like, this is what you're going to do for, for the scout team. And then he's like, uh, John, we need you to play attack. You need to be this. So, like, he was playing all these different positions while he was at Cornell. And in order to kind of do the scout team stuff or wherever he was, he had to watch film. He had to know what those yeah. guys' tendencies were and stuff. And, he, and he's such a, a, an intellectual guy, just a, a student of the game. Um, you know, the guy reads everything. Like, he is unbelievable when it comes to that stuff. We, we used to joke his, his, <laughs> and he's going to kill me for saying this. He had a car that was like just full of newspapers all the time. Like he would just <laughs> read everything, wall street journal, sports sections, everything. And, and they would just, they'd go in the back of his car. And now I envision that the back of his car is just stacked with iPads. Yeah. Uh, he knows <laughs> like that they're, they're reusable. <laughs> no, I just envision his iPads just go in the back. So, um, <laughs> and I'd imagine he's probably got a hundred of them back there. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I'm surprised that he's had his success because of what I saw of him as, as a college athlete. He, he was a student of the game. He, 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 worked, he worked really hard. I mean, he just busted his butt every, every chance he could. Um, so, so not surprised so much about John, and I'm psyched for his success. I, I love seeing it. Um, you know, I, we're fortunate to live close to him, and my kids call him Uncle Tills. You know, we, we love seeing him when we can. It, it, it's, it's, we're so excited for, for him to continue to do well. Um, John Gordon, no surprise. Like that guy was the most positive guy. He, he's like, like a puppy dog. Every time you see him, it's like just so happy and excited to see you. And he's always got this, this just level of energy that that's better than 
anyone else in the room. Um, and, and he was always been that way. You know, he's just always an excited guy. Even if he wasn't playing at the time, he's like the number one guy on the sideline firing people up, playing, let's go, let's get this done. I mean, you know, you, you cut the guy's finger off and he'd be psyched. He has nine more than he could give you. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's like, let's go. Here's nine. I'll give you these ones. Which one do you want? Um, just an amazing guy. And, 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 you know, I, I wasn't shocked to see his success either. I didn't know that's where he would end up, mm-hmm. but I knew he'd, he'd be successful. You know what I mean? He just, yeah. and, and he, you know, he had some, some, some valleys in his, his life that brought him to where he is, but yeah, he just an amazing guy, an amazing, amazing person, just really, really exciting to, to see his success. And I mean, it, it was funny. The first time I saw him on like Oprah or something like, Oh my God, I, I played lacrosse with that guy. Like, Holy cow. You know, it's just, just really cool. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that there's a group of people like that around right now that we're going to look it back at in 20, 30 years and be like, these yeah. guys all played together at the same time. Like, I don't know. That's such a unique situation there with yeah, all of those guys and the, <laughs> where lacrosse took their lives, I guess. It's right. Yeah. It's pretty special. Absolutely. Uh, so obviously having been the GM of the Iroquois team, how has that structure changed over the years as things have kind of become not only for your program, but programs all over the world become more organized. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, worlds has become a bigger and bigger thing every single time as people kind of see the writing on the wall that we are headed toward towards the Olympics. And then what are kind of your personal thoughts on this new discipline that's going to be showcased in the Olympics? Cause me personally, and I think Ryan agrees here, like it, 100% fits the style of play that the Iroquois have, because I think the knock has always been that you get to a world tournament or any kind of big tournament and the Iroquois, it's kind of like, you don't traditionally have a lot of deep holes <laughs> and it's right. like, who's going to pick up a deep hole for this tournament. And now that has been eliminated. And now it's like, we all have short sticks all the time and we're, we're good. So h- how has that kind of changed over the years? And then how do you think sixes plays into the future? Sure. So it's interesting. You said it's, it's gotten bigger and bigger. You know, when we played in, in the first one in 1990, um, I was, I was a member of that team and there was, there was what five, five nations competing at the time, you know, and of our team on our team, you know, 26 guys, probably a, maybe less than a third had gone to college or, or played much college ball. And, and that's including my, my two brothers and I, you know, there weren't a lot of guys that had done it. So the organization in itself, you know, we, we had, I God, I think I remember that first tryout, maybe 40 guys show up, 35 guys to pick 26. Um, so the, the organization side, I think as a GM was, was pretty simple. We were like, all right, everybody show up. We need eight hotels, hotel rooms, uh, three meals, like real simple, you know, we 26 helmets, like all that stuff was real basic. Um, as it's grown, you know, our numbers have gotten better. Our tryouts are still, you know, we, we don't get many more than, than 100, 150 guys at tryouts, if, if that. Usually usually it's about 100 um, on, on a good tryout. But the cool thing is we're, we're doing a much better job. And, and my, my brother Mark's been very instrumental in developing this, this youth, the, the Iroquois youth, and, and kind of bringing them up through the system so as we're – our senior team will be much better. So like for, for Israel, for example, um, as you know, we, we went through some bumps before mm-hmm. we got to Israel, we got stranded in, in Canada and, you know, 
myself and the other GMs, we kind of, we had to find a bus from the airport to bring the team from the airport to, to the reservation. And then once we do that, well, we had to get a hotel room. So then we had to get rooms for the, a hotel that could fit. Um, I think we had 40 people in our, our travel party. So we had to have a hotel that could fit that. Then we had to get meals for them that night because we had been sitting in an airport all day. So now we had to get food. Then we had to try and get to make sure we could get on a, one of the next flights. So it became very, um, very involved. There was a lot going on and a lot of people talking to different people. But our communication among the, you know, myself and the, the other GMs and, and then the executive director, we did a really good job and, and made it come together, you know, with some help from some outside people, which we're, you know, we can't thank them enough for, for those that helped us to get us to get us there. But um, it, it was extremely challenging. So there's a lot now that goes into that that process that I'm sure wasn't a part of it for the early games. I mean, a lot sure a lot of it's the travel and and fundraising and things like that. But um, with larger numbers and more um, outside kind of sources or, or I guess pressures, there's a lot that goes into it now. So, um, you know, my goal before 2018 was to try and make sure that the team was ready. So, so I set up like a scrimmage up at Nyack in New York city. Uh, we played against the Nyack team. We did a couple clinics in Connecticut kind of as a, a goodwill effort for kids there. And then we used a, a, one of the facilities up there. So it was, it was really fun to, to kind of do that stuff. And, and pr- as we prepared back when I played, it was amazing. Like we had, we were playing Lake Placid tournament. We would you play guys, a tournament at, at Coble Skill. And when you guys um, come down to, I remember watching the Iroquois team play out on Long Island. Yes. Out at, um, um, it was the old, um, it was down one of Dowling's campuses, but it was the Long yes. Island Jamboree. I remember watching yep. Nico Red Arrow and everybody. Yes. Um, yep. It was kind of like, just that's kind of how it went. Yeah. And, and that was all of our kind of pre-tournament uh, kind of buildup and how we, we selected the team from those games. I mean, we played in all these certain, there was a USA Invitational at mm-hmm. Griffin Field in Syracuse, which was amazing. Um, so we had all these things. Now, one of the things we run into is, our guys are playing professional lacrosse now. Yeah. So it's, it's much harder to try and say, Hey, come to, to Portland to, to have a practice when they're playing for money on the weekend, you know, that this is some of their livelihood, you know? Mm-hmm. So that becomes a challenge for us to try and get them together as much as we can. And, and what we end up doing is a week before the tournament, we get together and try and play for a week and then fly over and, and, that's also been one of our, our kind of downfalls. You know, we, we haven't had a lot of um, practice together like some of the other nations. So that's hurt us, you know. Um, and then going on to your, your question about the sixes, I, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I, I think it's going to play well for us. You know, at any of those, my first, in the first five world games that I played in, we didn't have a lot of guys that, that picked up long holes, you know, in, in the past. Most of the guys were all box players. Uh in 2018, Jake Fox, who played played for Hopkins as an attackman, we were at the tryouts and we're like, he's a big, strong kid. He's probably not going to make it on the attack. He's not going to start on attack. He may not mm-hmm. even make the team as an attackman with the guys that we had. So I, I went over to him and, and the coaches were like, see what he would think about picking up a long ball. He's got great stick skills. So I, I said to him, I said, hey, listen, if you want to make this team, here's a long pole. What do you think about that? 
and Jake being a great kid was like, let's go, you know, do you have a screwdriver? So we, we put his stick on it and, and the rest is history. He, he actually did a nice job for us as a defender. And, he, he, and it was funny. He's like, you can't tell Petro I'm playing long ball. <laughs> like, he's going to find out Jake. He's going to find out. It was pretty funny. But yeah, yeah so I think it's going to be fun for us. Uh, you know, if, if we can get the guys together um, and, and because it's, it's very similar to box. I mean, it's going to be yeah. very similar to what, what our guys have played and, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's really going to be a fun tournament for, for everybody, but, but for the, for the Iroquois nationals for sure. Yeah. I think it, it's super conducive to, to the style of play. It is basically box on a field yeah. and you know, it's even better. You don't really have to face off except for what one or two times. So that's right. even better because the pace of play can go up. I mean, yeah. I can't even, I don't even want to start to guess what the lines could be, but like <laughs> they're, they're pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's so a lot of scoring, excited. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, I would just, I would love to be live for one of those games or even a scrimmage of sixes with the Uruguay Nationals. So, so all seeing right. how it develops over time. I mean, what the product you probably see when they first showcase it is not going to be the product you see five years from now. The game is right. going to be you know, how, how is, how much has the box game, the field game evolved over the last 20 years? It's going to be, yeah. you're going to see another facet of the game completely evolve. It's going to be great. Absolutely. I, I can't wait. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. And it'll be great for developing. I mean, as you mentioned, uh, I was talking, we were talking to Marty last year about this, about how like there's this new consistent effort to grow the youth game within the Iroquois program. And Part of that was like, I remember one of my classmates in college, like 2008 to 2011, he told me, he's like, yeah, I'm on the U19 Iroquois team. I'm like, oh, you must be really, really good. He's like, I'm okay. He's like, <laughs> he's like I'm a, I'm a six foot four D pole. Like I'm, I'm okay. But like a couple of years from now, I don't have a chance of making like the, the men's team. Like I just That's don't. Funny. That's and, funny. and it's true. Like, I mean, he was a, he was a club college player and he's, just, he's just like, he's like, I know I couldn't make it anymore. Not even close. And right. so I, I think that's a huge part of it. Right. Because as you start earlier, it, it, the system builds and it becomes like a norm for the, for yeah. everybody that this is the path. Like you yep. don't just, you don't just play box your whole life and then, then go play a little bit of field in D2 or D1. And then all of a sudden you make the national team. Like there's a system in place now. So I think that's yeah. huge. It's been great for us. And I guess the, 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 the only, if there's a downside to it, I think it's be the limited roster size mm -hmm. um, because it, it, you know, 26 is not a lot more than it'll be, but it's so nice to give 26 guys and maybe, you know, a couple alternates the opportunities that, that we had. I mean, I have been to Australia a couple of times. I've been to Japan. I've been to England. You know, I I've been to, to the Czech Republic. I've been so fortunate and the game has given so much to me and the Iroquois nationals have given so much to me. It's a shame that some people may not have that opportunity because of the limited roster size. Right. It's just, it, that that's probably the one thing that saddens me a little bit about that change. Um, Cause it'll take away from us. And then, you know, some face-off guys may not have an opportunity because if you don't really need the, that Fogo guy anymore, um, there's one guy who's, who's not going to have an opportunity who had worked hard for that, you know? So, you know, th those are kind of the, the only real negatives that I see for it. And, and that I feel bad about um, because I, I think everyone should have some opportunities that, that I was fortunate enough to, to have and my brothers um, as a part of that. Yeah. I mean, Ryan and I've talked about it too. The blue group didn't need this to happen because mm -hmm. they were fine, but 
right. you know, that's six countries. Maybe, maybe you could say there's 10 countries in the world that would be consistently competitive by the old rules, but like, this is for the other 60 countries that yes. are really struggling to get it together sure. every year. And we've yeah. interviewed a lot of them where they're like, they can't get 20 guys to a practice. Yeah. So like now you can play full on scrimmages every single practice with Absolutely. just 12 guys. So that changes things a lot. It, it is very much about making it more accessible and, I, I think world lacrosse even retweeted the thing that I said, where it was, you know, this might be just a solution in the short term until we get to a hundred countries. And right. then we can go back to like a traditional field 10 V 10 type style. So yeah. it's not permanent for anybody that doesn't like it, but for right now it is probably what's best for lacrosse and it'll be a couple of interesting years for sure. For sure. And yeah. so I assume that you're a big proponent of, of 2028 Olympics, right? Oh yeah. Being I, in LA I mean, and, and being, you know, as close to Canada and the U S as possible. Uh, I yeah. think what, a what better. And then obviously the PLL being right there in LA as well. Like I can't think of a better like culmination of, of timing for the, for the lacrosse world. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. I mean, it, just to think that, you know, we used to joke and think about it as kids. Oh, maybe it'll be an Olympic sport. Maybe lacrosse would be in the Olympics. Um, and to, to kind of be around to, to see it come to fruition is, is kind of cool. And to know that we're we're right there, right? We're, we're, we're at the doorstep of it. And lacrosse knocking on the door. When you see sports like trampolining in there and, and things <laughs> like that, you're yeah. like, come on, man. Like, I saw speed rock climbing. Like I saw, yeah, yeah, break, uh, break dancing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Break dancing. Yeah, I mean, I had a mean head spin as a kid, but I'm a much better lacrosse player. Yeah, you know. So I I wasn't going to the Olympics as that, but yeah, it's just really neat to to know that that we're we're that close. You know, we're we're six seven years away from from the this happening and 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 it becoming a reality, and it's awesome. I, I just I can't wait to see you know and hear the, the, the Iroquois anthem played at the Olympics, you know, that, that to me was, and it's still, you know, I, I did a, um, a zoom call with the Spanish national team. And one of the players asked what my fondest moment was as, as a, as a member of the Iroquois team. And that was in 1990 at our first world games, our first game, our national anthem being sung and played, you know, I was standing at the midfield with my two brothers. We were the starting midfield. And the Iroquois anthem plays. We got our uniform on, and that was like, to me, still gives me a chill to this day. So to to have our guys experience that in 2028 is going to be just an amazing, amazing feeling for them. I'm sure. Absolutely, and and so I'm sure you're very in line with all of the the conversations that are going on here. What is the current status in terms of getting the Iroquois to the Olympics? Because I know that there is a lot of back and forth and there was a lot of change that happened very quickly and then the Irish team stepping out was was massive and we'll talk to them in the future about that but where do we stand today what's left what do we need or what needs to be done in lacrosse to kind of make sure this happens or so there's a lot going on behind the scenes I'm not as well versed as as guys like Leo Nolan who's our executive director right Mm now um Leo his been unbelievable um he, he's working on i mean i feel like it's around the clock um doing doing stuff so people i've talked to that that have had day-to-day conversations or di- you know week-to-week conversations with leo are saying that we're, we're doing stuff there, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that 
even you know people that that are are in the know my you know my brother mark myself there's so much stuff that the wheels are spinning in, in so many different places and you know everyone's trying to find angles to to get the support that we need um obviously there, there's a lot you know we need the olympic committee the, the iroquois you know olympic committee to be, be put together that's that's in the process of, of being done um we're making the connections we need to i, I think our, our passport issue will, will still probably be an issue for us um but hopefully that will be kind of resolved because it, it is here in, in in the u.s and that might help things going forward that, that's wishful thinking um, but yeah, there's just so much going on behind the scenes, Nick, that, that I, I, we're not like, if it was to happen next year, we wouldn't be able to do it. I, I don't mm-hmm. think we'd be accepted, but the fact that we still have a little time to, to get things going, I know there's people that are, are just killing themselves to, to get it together and, and try and put us in, in the best possible situation so that we are accepted and we can get there. And, and we've had support from the other nations, which is great. Um, and lacrosse community is, is really rallied around the Iroquois. Um, you know, we can't thank the Ireland team enough. That was just one of the, one of the greatest, you know, sportsman type things that that that'll be an ESPN 30 for 31 day. Like then everything changed right right before 2028, (laughs) right before they take the field. field. It'd be amazing. It was amazing to have a team drop out before you even had to ask. Like, I I assume that's how it happened. Like nobody asked. Somebody was just like, we see what the issue is here and we're not going to be the ones in the way. Right. And I I feel like, you know, I I don't know this for a fact, but like knowing Richie Moran, I can see one of those voices are like, yeah, it's the right thing to do guys. We we need to do this for, for all the right reasons. The, the game the game needs them there the event needs yes. them there it's, yeah and the best I, part and, is like for for ireland it doesn't keep them from the olympics either so like it wasn't really a, i mean it would have been nice for them to go to atlanta but like at the end of the day like ireland's not gonna have any trouble getting to the olympics probably correct. so correct. It, it was a much bigger picture play so yeah. hats off to them but scott it's been an absolute pleasure uh picking your brain and stuff and uh you know this will be posted on friday and uh you know, we'll, we'll put all over social media and, and we'll go from there, but it's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you guys. It's been an honor to, to talk to you guys. I appreciate all that you guys are doing. You've been great for the game and, and you know, you're, you're uh, everything you're doing is amazing. So, so thank you guys. It, it's, it's really good. It's really refreshing. So keep that up. You're doing a great job. Thanks guys. Have a great day. If you, you enjoyed too, the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at going offsides. sides.